Hello, this is Surya Saha, and welcome to the Insurance Story Podcast, the platform to spread knowledge on insurance innovation, digital disruptions, and entrepreneurship. Our website, insurexstory.com, and we are available on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Today, we will discuss on the topic navigating general insurance opportunities in Southeast Asia. And for now, I'm delighted to welcome our guest, Jyotish Parameshwaran Mohini, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Young Insurance. Myanmar. Jyotish is a seasoned entrepreneur and an insurance executive with over two decades of experience in distribution, sales, strategy, business development, mergers and acquisitions, and digital transformation in Asia. He is recognized for results-driven style that is always focused on problem-solving. Prior to Young Insurance, Jyotish was with Aviva, ING Bank, Aegis India, Fortis and ICICI Kinfra Limited. So Jyotish, welcome on board and we are truly excited to have you for, for the show. Hi Surya, I'm very happy to be here too. Thank you for having me. Would you like to tell our audiences a bit about your organization? What's your role? Yes, thank you. Um, Young Insurance is one of the, uh, of the few insurance companies that now operate in the Myanmar market. Um, it was right. licensed along with the first wave of private sector licenses. Um, so the company has um, um, been one of the uh, pioneers in some ways in process innovation. Uh, we are one of the first ones to be ISO certified in the, in the market. And we've, um, while we've not grown uh, as much as uh, some of the competition, uh, we focused on um, profitability as our prime driver for a long period. So now um, I've been brought in recently with the intent of ex, um, you know, expanding our business um, substantially as also uh, with our foray into what we call the, the new age uh, where we're thinking about how to transform the business um, uh, you know, multifold into a digital space, and and that's what uh, we are we are out to do. Right. Uh, through which we aim to offer uh, uh, an exceptional customer experience um, to to not just our end customers but also to our partners. So that's that's the 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 logic of of why I've been brought in, and and my remit is precisely that. And um, here, my responsibility overpasses all of our operations. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, how InsurTech is actually catching up in not just select regions in the Asia-Pacific, but also, you know, it, it, it's, it's growing across even uh, in places where insurance penetration is at the minimum. So it's, I think, definitely the future is going to be interesting for insurance uh, uh, from now on. And of course, supported by technology for sure. Um, Absolutely so, right. Uh, uh, moving on to uh, 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 some of our uh, discussion areas uh, revolving the topic for the day. Southeast Asia's personal lines, uh, you know, property and casualty insurance market is anticipated to expand quickly through digital means, right? And that's as per various research. Uh, from the industry. How do you see this happening? 
I think um, there are maybe two parts to that answer. And one is what is happening in the market. Right. And two is what do insurers need to do. Yeah. Um, in terms of what's happening in the market, I think there are a few big trends and there are a few small trends. Mm-hmm. I think the big trends, the number one uh, of all of them is, uh, you know, which is sort of across all of the world, uh, is climate change. Yeah. But I think there are a few others which impact uh, these markets much more uh, in the short run. And, and the first one to me is demographics. And what's happening in Southeast Asia is that 2022, 2022, around this period, right, uh, between 2020 and 2025, is when... Um, Southeast Asia crosses this sort of imaginary line wherein um, for the first time the the dependency ratio increases. And this also sort of coincides with this whole um, question of um, how the economic conditions are right now. And um, in the next few years, uh, the the economic conditions combined with this change in demographics, wherein the, the the people who are earning, people of earning age, need to support uh, a group of people of um, either who are incapable of earning because they're too young or incapable of earning because they're too old. Um, that happens, and as we go into the the next ten years, I think um, this is a factor that's going to you know impact. Uh, Southeast Asia significantly in terms of the ability to spend, mm-hmm. the ability to purchase uh, assets, the way in which they behave uh, in terms of asset ownerships and so on and so forth, and uh, the key concerns and risks they'll need to protect themselves against. So what does that mean? To me, I think um, the the big question is also then are all the people who are of employable age employed? And that's uh, going to be very, it's going to be a very variable answer, right? It's going to be different for different markets. A Singapore is going to be very different from uh, a Cambodia for that matter, or the Philippines for that matter. So I think these are the big trends. Um, and then there are some small trends, which are the questions around skill and education, which is, which is a, which, which though, is a, a sort of uh, one might call it micro trend in the market, but it's got some macro uh, impacts on on things like employability. And uh, then the the small trend that I think is a very big trend actually is tech adaptation and yeah. and and how people are uh, you know working towards various directions uh, in these markets uh, using tech. For example, um, in, in the Philippines, the amount of screen time has increased to something like, uh, on an average, about six and a half hours. Whereas uh, uh, you see that actually uh, in Thailand, which, which you actually pointed out some time ago, um, there, there is an increasing uh, interest in purchasing insurance online. Not, not so much in the Philippines. 
So this is this is the sort of uh, behavioral differences in these markets uh, when it comes to even even something as micro as tech adaptation. The the second big part of this answer is in terms of what do insurers need to do. Right. So this um, sort of boils down into things like. Um, so I, I look at these as some themes that insurers need to address. The first one is what I call um, the actuarial tables versus data science. Um, so what is that all about? Actuarial tables are about uh, past data analyzed, understood and used to forecast uh, the future outcomes now sort of moving towards real-time data that determines um, outcomes in terms of pricing, in terms of margins, in terms of expenses. So I think that is, um, I think, a big thematic change that's happening and insurers need to adapt. The second big thing is peak auto, like peak oil. Um, and I think peak auto is, is around the corner. As, uh, as the industry is moving towards uh, number one, electric vehicles, and number two, um, autonomous vehicles. So I think that's, that's a wave to, to see. But luckily for autonomous vehicles, I think we may have a few years to, to prepare for, maybe half a decade. Uh, electric vehicles are here, and uh, there's a difference in, in how you look at the asset itself uh, from, from an auto perspective. The third big question is about, um, you know, when, when you take peak auto, peak oil, etc. Um, a comparable thing is peak ownership, which is a question of are people going to own assets or not? And uh, this is this um, question about the shared economy and, and taking assets on rent uh, uh, model. Um, this is... You know, so from, from the Second World War onwards, there's been an interest in the world about um, acquiring retail assets at the household level. And I think that interest may wane as we move towards uh, the future in the next few years. Uh, and that's, that's where I call it, uh, you know, peak ownership. And then the question is about um, the climate change, which is predicting and covering um, climate change issues, fractional, uh, you know, so, so, so then that then moves towards this question of um, how do you actually, uh, you know, understand this and what, how, what is the impact of this at the retail PNC level, which is going to be an interesting question. Uh, and lastly, the question I just uh, talked about earlier, you know, when you talk about the peak ownership question, uh, how do we understand the difference in the insured, which is, you know, when, when assets are going to be fractional and shared, uh, especially with the near-term tightening of Southeast Asian belts, as I call it, um, there's going to be this question around how will, how will an insurer look at the insured itself? Who is the insured? And how much of the, the, the policy, the asset, is owned by an insured? So, so these sort of um, these are the sort of big questions that I think um, insurers need to address themselves in the next uh, next few years. 
Right. Yeah. You know, you have mentioned a very important point here, especially, you know, uh, it holds true for the insurance industry that uh, demographics actually makes a lot of, uh, you know, difference the way you look at it. So actually it, it, it primarily tells us, uh, you know, where we are now, where we have been and where we are headed. And I think it's, it's so much true for the Asian region and, you know, countries like thailand india indonesia uh, has the largest proportion of consumers right who are willing to buy insurance online however in the same region countries like malaysia are kind of a traditional in their approach so what's what's your observation for other emerging economies in the southeast asian region yes, um thanks surya um very interesting question you're right and uh, countries such as India, Thailand, Indonesia um, are the ones who are most interested in surveys to buy, buy um, insurance online. What you'll be interested to know is actually that there is a slight difference between what they say in surveys and what they actually do. Right. I don't know if you, if you, if you know this. So in India, this is the surveys and the actual preference is not completely different. Yeah. But if you look at Thailand versus Malaysia, right? Um, Thailand has about, I would say about 44% of the, the customers uh, interested in uh, purchasing insurance online. Whereas Malaysia is at about 40%. Right, so it's it's in terms of actual purchase relative to answering questions, but this depends on what they buy. Now, uh, in in most of these markets, uh, travel insurance is purchased online, right? So something like sixty percent almost of travel insurance uh, is is being purchased this way. Or sixty percent of customers have purchased travel insurance in the past. So, uh, sorry, I think this is a slightly different thing. Yeah. Whereas, if you look at um, home insurance, um, it's something like thirty-two, thirty-three percent. Right. So it, it's it's very different. Um, travel obviously is 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 the highest purchased. Uh, some sort of online health is also purchased a lot. Um, but if you start looking at motor, it falls a little, uh, and then as you go towards, um, you know, health, you know, personal accident, health, home, etc., the number falls much more heavily. And actually, the number uh, of, you know, where we're talking about agents being a more important channel uh, is becoming more and more relevant. So that's uh, on one side, but this is not a mutually exclusive thing. And that's the more interesting part in, in my view, because um, while uh, agents are the drivers in some cases uh, of the actual purchase itself, uh, a lot of work happens online in terms of comparisons, in terms of um, looking at features which, uh, which they're interested in and so on and so forth. So actually what's emerged in most of these markets, even in Malaysia, Malaysia, to a lesser extent, uh, you know, I'm, I'm only mentioning Malaysia because you mentioned it. Um, Malaysia, to a lesser extent, but in other markets, is that um, the 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 impact of people, uh, you know, influencers uh, in this space is increasing. So that's one big trend I see. Um, right. In terms of growth, 
the big markets i'd watch out for uh indonesia so you know india is obviously the big elephant in the room with the most growth um in reality so yeah. I, i'm not touching india but i'm looking at indonesia which is uh, 1.2 billion in premium uh in the space roughly i think uh, i don't have the latest numbers i'm 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 guessing some of it um philippines i think is is a big opportunity uh because it's very low penetration 0.4 billion and i think vietnam is a bigger opportunity uh because it's it's also got about a similar premium as as vietnam whereas markets like thailand themselves are slightly that, that you if you look at the market itself the market is slowing down if you look at singapore it's a, it's a very mature market malaysia is a fairly mature market thailand is um slowing down a little bit and so on. so while i say that across the market there is slow slow down in some of these markets i think there are very high growth um pools that exist within uh with each of these markets including in singapore so that that's that's my take on southeast asia i think the opportunity exists across all of southeast asia you yeah, pointed absolutely. out earlier that southeast yeah. asia is account for the most people who will be purchasing yeah and so that i i agree with you completely on that i think uh, you know southeast asia is going to be one of the major markets even as compared to the uh, developing uh, nations and particularly driven by the demographics as you you know rightly pointed out so you know uh, having discussed on all these key elements of particularly for the pnc insurance market what are these you know key drivers changing the personal line insurance landscape in uh, southeast asian region anything from your experience that you're looking at and do you really see this to be promising for the coming years yeah actually that's that's um i, I would like to actually continue on um, the basis of what i really started this 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 discussion uh, about and i think uh, the the single biggest uh impact i see in the immediate term the driver i see uh apart from tech uh, adaptation so we'll come to tech adaptation in a second which is slightly different across different markets um is the demographics yeah uh what has happened in in southeast asia is that um as we come to the year 2020 um southeast asia sort of um peaked uh with its uh working uh age population and from about about 1970s 1980s the growth rate of the population has been falling sort of across the board this is not true for all countries so this is where i say that um, uh, a market like indonesia a market like vietnam and market like philippines uh is slightly different compared to other markets in southeast asia when we when we talk about this and we're not even talking about people places like cambodia myanmar etc but uh, in in the wider southeast asian market uh, the the young uh, the 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 number of children is is falling uh but the peak of our working age population was 2020 thereafter it starts falling uh at the same stage um the older populations it's about 65 people 
um, is increasing at a steady rate from here on. So until that crosses the falling child uh, birth rate, somewhere in 2050, 2055 maybe, um, what will happen is the working age um, group has to take the double whammy of having children and old people um, and, and have to support them. And, and you know, the family values of Asia is such that um, a lot of people will take on the burden uh, happily. Now, what happens with that, in my view, is that uh, they will start thinking differently about, uh, there'll be a significant stress uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, incomes and expenditures. But on top of that, they'll start thinking about how to save, they'll start thinking about how to spend. And I think on this how to spend issue is going to be this question around assets, uh, which will then drive PNC sales. So um, on, on one side, there's going to be this, uh, I think, an increased need for health insurance, especially among older people, especially managed health care, um, you know, all of that stuff that comes in with the slightly aging population. And on the other hand, you will see that the asset ownership will start potentially being uh, fractional or shared in some cases. Um, a lot of people may start moving towards um, smaller payments if they can. And I think insurance companies and products which are focused on uh, pay as a use uh, will become uh, much more uh, welcome um, than they are today. Um, so that, that's, that's how I see demographics sort of um, driving uh, the PNC business in the future. The second big driver, I think, which is part of the demographics question is migration. And, um, you know, Philippines... Yeah, interesting. Is, yeah, and Philippines is the top uh, migration uh, provider in the market. Uh, there are different different countries which are which are up there. So a lot of them um, have a lot of this migrational uh, labor forces that go out. That has two impacts. And again, actually, there's a lot of intra Southeast Asia migration that's happening from some countries to other countries, and that's having a significant impact. And I think that is an area for, for me to definitely focus on. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, um, sort of products and services that's required in that space. Um, we talked about climate change earlier, but it's a very big uh, driver. Uh, I don't want to really go into it too much, but I'm, I'm just saying that um, a lot of people have become more aware of climate change. Uh, now than before. And I think uh, for customers, this is getting more and more um, relevant than it used to be. Um, so so I'll leave it at that. We talked a bit about that already because I have a few other things to cover here. And, and then there's the question of skill imbalances. Um, and in Southeast Asia, the skill imbalance story is very significant. Um, some of the, the, the sort of... Um, uh, lower cost economies uh, have also severe skill imbalances. What I call, um, you know, resource uh, intensiveness is low in some of these markets. 
So which means that um, the, the quality of the people you find in the market may not be up to standards with the quality of people in other markets. And therefore, the income that could be earned in those markets are, are um, relatively lower than some of the other markets. So, for example, uh, you know, I don't want to really name um, countries and, and, and sort of make it look bad. But the point is that some of the countries with larger populations in the region may, may miss their, um, you know, demographic advantage for the reason that um, their, um, their workforce uh, may not be able to command the global price, which is uh, which is at par with uh, the wider world. So the the so-called uh, advantages that may be realizable due to to large populations may not be as forthcoming as it may appear to be. What does that mean? It means that some of these markets will remain low cost, and the insurer will need to adapt their business model. They will need to adapt their revenues, cost structures, margins, and what I call resource intensity in order to, to get this done. This also means that insurers will need to think about their core processes very carefully uh, in terms of how they do business in these markets. And the last uh, key driver is uh, technology adaptation. And I think this is kept for the last, but it's not the least. It's, it's one of the biggest drivers in the space. And technology adaptation across Southeast Asia is as different as Southeast Asian markets are. Very, very different. Um, in, in Myanmar, you're talking about technology adaptation on the on one end being, um, you know, people buying smuggled Chinese smartphones which come across the border, uh, which don't have their own, um, you know, sort of uh, Google, um, um, you know, app store. To the other side where people buy the latest versions of um, iphones now what's interesting is if you want to manufacture a, a, a mobile application for mima for, for your insurance company you will have to fit not just you know uh, I, I, iphone and android you'd have to do a few more things if it were to make it if you were to make it work uh, the, the second big question is, what is really this technology adaptation? Is it really um, someone really knowing what they're doing? And what's happening across Southeast Asia is that uh, while a lot of people are using different devices, you know, using social media, their uh, understanding of what they're doing is, is fairly limited. And therefore, also, what that does is it reduces their propensity to purchase anything online. A lot of people are actually quite afraid at this stage to, to do any financial transactions online. They just use their phones as entertainment or sometimes when it gets better than that, communication, but not much more than that. So it's a, it's a big question. So for Myanmar, you look at it, you say that Myanmar has got almost 100% mobile phone coverage to the market. Uh, for the population. 80% uh, of that is smartphones. It's very impressive. However, the use of that smartphones um, is not, not uh, linearly the same thing as people use smartphones in Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, etc. So there's a some significant disparity in, in, in um, technology adaptation and uh, therefore uh, linear assumptions wouldn't do uh, if you were to think about these markets. 
you have to think through these uh, in, a, in a very different way. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the, the uh, Generation Z has a lot of role to play in this Asian region, in short, tech development. Or rather, how the, uh, you know, from the customer acquisition point, how it's going to be absorbed in the market, right? It's, it's significantly, you know, places like, again, uh, India, Singapore, Thailand. This is going to be very interesting in the coming days. I, you know, absolutely uh, groundbreaking innovations happening. And uh, uh, I really thank you for this fantastic discussion and for sharing your thoughts today. It was a true delight to have you as our guest. And lastly, to wrap this up, Thank you for listening and see you at our next episode. Take care and stay safe. Goodbye for now.